Welcome to Goddess Rising. I am Brooke Kikos, your host, a trauma recovery coach, RTT therapist, and NLP practitioner. Join us in unlocking the power from within and using our voice to create real change for women to empower, learn, expand consciousness, and uplift each other. If you have been burdened by a past of trauma, abuse, and toxic relationships, this is a safe space to learn and embody your truth. It's time that we embody our feminine energy and become the goddesses within and stop allowing others to dim our light. I am here to help you shift from shame, people-pleasing, codependency, and the belief that you are not enough and shift into expansion of your real potential. It's time to say no to toxic behaviors and say yes to unapologetic self-love. And this is where we find the healthiest relationship with ourselves. Yeah, so I grew up here in Cincinnati, which is very much like Bible Belt on the cusp of it. Um, and so I had a very interesting upbringing. I had parents who were super liberal, very much like the test drive the car before you buy it kind of people. Um, but I was very churchy growing up. Um, and so I had a very polarizing experience, very polarizing upbringing because my parents were incredibly open, like we'll answer any questions, we'll get you whatever you need, we're available to you. But then, you know, I was in the church, which is very much like, do not have sex, do not live with your boyfriend or sleep overnight with him or do any of these things until you're married. Um, and so I was really subscribing to that, which was an like utter peril to my dad. <laughs> he was so pained by it, at least when I was growing up. Um, but by the time I got to college, I was living with a bunch of women who were all getting ready to get married and had never had sex before they had gotten married. And here I had had different experiences because my parents were much more open. Um, and so I'm giving them the sex talk and because they're getting ready to get married and they're like, I don't even know what a blowjob is. And I'm like, all right, like, let's get a banana. Let's talk about body parts and all the things. Um, so we did that and they were like, ah, oh, you should be a health teacher because you're so comfortable talking about sex. And I was like, I don't want to do the babies and the nutrition and all the things that come with um, being a health teacher. So I said, that's okay. I'm going to keep pursuing psychology. And so I went and got my master's at Cincinnati Christian University. So I was still sort of in that space. But while I was doing that, I started working for a nonprofit where we would go into junior high and high school and talk to kids about not just the physical side of sex, like the STIs and all that stuff, but also the emotional side that I realized, whoa, no one's really getting this. No one's really talking to kids about, you know, how this can impact you and the big difference that it can make in your life. And so once I was in grad school, I got connected with a practice locally that just focuses specifically on sex therapy. And I was like, this is it. People need to be talking about this. Nobody is. I don't want to work with kids because parents are very particular about what they want their kids to be talking about therapists with sex about. So I set that aside and I was like, I'm going to work with adults and I'm going to work with folks talking all about sexual issues. What are their concerns? What are they afraid of? What are they excited about? What do they want to explore? And as I graduated um, from my program and just had different relationship experiences, I really discovered sex positivity and what it means to, um, I don't know, not yuck someone's yum, not make people feel a whole bunch of shame. Because I mean, there was so much religious guilt and shame that came up at least at that time or pre 
pre-graduating at least. And so that's when I got into sex therapy is I was like, I want this to be something that is accessible to as many people as possible because we're just not talking about it enough. And it just really kind of took off from there. That So Julie, thank you so much for explaining your story because I can't speak to this enough because I experienced that myself in the religion that I grew up. And it was like, you know, sex is shamed women can't really own their sexuality and we don't talk about it. Like in my experience, like my mom never talked to me about it. And it was like something we didn't even discuss as adult women. Like when I became an adult, mother was like, sex was bad. And so I kind of had this, this belief around sex. Right. And then I also was punished when I did have sex before marriage in the religion, which really Mm. made more shame. And mm-hmm. so I still, I struggled with that. And it actually made me want to be more promiscuous, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yet I didn't have any boundaries around it and didn't really even know, you know, how I can have like a really healthy relationship with that and be able to speak about it. So mm-hmm. what, you know, obviously you're a sex therapist. So like, tell me a little bit about, you know, what, what does that give you to, how do you help these people or who comes to you? Like, who's like your clients? Yeah. Say, oh my gosh, please help me. Like speak to that. Oh, sure. Yeah, I see all sorts of folks with different concerns, especially being in the Midwest, I tell people I'm kind of an umbrella sex therapist. So if you were in like Chicago or LA or something, some sex therapists will even niche further down to say, I work with kinky people, I work with polyamorous folks, or I work with sexual trauma. But being here, we kind of see a little bit of everything. So Most of my clients are typically couples. I will also see individuals, um, but typically people are struggling with mismatched libido, um, folks who have never had an orgasm before, people who are struggling with sexual dysfunction or sexual pain, so like premature ejaculation or um, erectile dysfunction, or um, again, a lot of particularly vulva owners experiencing sexual pain. That's kind of like the the primary client that comes in. But then I also have people who are wanting to explore opening up their relationship. You know, they're like, hey, we've been together for a long time. Things just feel a little bit, you know, like we're used to each other. We're really secure in our relationship, but we want to spice it up a bit. So we want to figure out how to open it up. And that has been much more popular since the pandemic. I think everybody really kind of got bored in their four walls with each other. And they're like, we need something different. We need some variety. So I'll see people who want to open up. Um, I see folks who are like into kink and figuring out how to maybe introduce that kink to their partner or explore that further. Um, I've worked with some folks with disabilities and how do we help you to still experience sexual pleasure in spite of having some sort of disability. Um, I've worked with a couple of folks who even like having had cancer and figuring out after cancer, what does that look like? Um, All sorts of different all sorts of different people. But a lot of times, I mean, our work is, it is therapy, you know, I'm trained as a regular therapist, anxiety, depression, all of that. But then we specialize in talking about how is sex impacting you, your life, and how can we not just take it from being bad to being neutral, but also how can we even make it better? How can we get pleasurable, exciting, something that you're actually looking forward to? That's kind of Um, the bulk of the people. I, I love that though, because I think honestly, women especially I think suffer in this area the most to be honest Mm -hmm. right because for a lot of men obviously it's easy it's effortless and for women it's not so much right Mm -hmm. and it's more of like okay well maybe I'm not matched to my partner too right where it's like if there's not that sexual chemistry or that desire for it like 
then we kind of shut that part of ourselves off mm-hmm. and it like lays dormant. And yeah. I know for myself, like I find so many of my clients that have been, you know, I work with a lot of trauma survivors because that's really my story. So mm-hmm. it's these women also that haven't really had safe relationships mm-hmm. to able to even experience their sexuality in mm-hmm. a way because they were never able to express themselves. And that really was me as well, right? It's like, I never really had this safe relationship and I wasn't, you know, I used my body in a completely opposite way because I didn't know any different. Um, But being able to actually experience sexuality in a way where you're actually so connected to your body, um, Mm -hmm. that disconnect from that trauma really creates the space where, you know, you don't really have that connection to it. And then you're just like, some women I find are like, I don't even need sex. I don't mm-hmm. think about that much, right? Like yeah. that part of their being is just so closed off. Mm-hmm. So what could you say for someone that, you know, has survived trauma and mm-hmm. feels disconnection to their body? It's kind of like, oh, sex is a chore. Sex is mm-hmm. like, I don't enjoy it, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Like what is something that you could give them for advice right now that could be helpful for them? Yeah, that's a great question because I think for folks who've experienced trauma, that process looks differently than somebody who... Maybe they've just been in their relationship for several years and things are just kind of boring and they're bogged down by the stress of kids and life and chores and stuff. You know, that is trauma adds a level of complexity because from a lot of folks who've experienced trauma, my body is not a safe space for me because maybe someone's taken advantage of it or somebody taught me that my body isn't mine to say what I can and can't do with it. We see that, of course, a lot with religious trauma because we're told You know, you need to save your body and your body is not going to be, you know, good or pure or anything if you don't until you're married. And so what we find for folks who have experienced trauma, doing things that allow you to be gentle with your own body. So even noticing what ways do you interact with your body that feel good? That might look like just even doing a body scan and noticing what parts of my body do I feel neutral that maybe feel green or yellow? Like those are okay spaces. And just allowing yourself to touch yourself or even be touched by a safe person in those spaces and gradually working up to those places that are maybe a bit more red. Um, I also see that folks who've experienced trauma doing something that's fun, getting them into their body, like doing a yoga class or doing even like salsa dancing or some sort of fun dance, Zumba, what have you. Something that reminds you like your body is a fun place to be in. It's something that can be exciting and enjoyable. Um, those can be really helpful exercises to just reconnecting with your sexual self first before even inviting somebody else into it. And then eventually we'll kind of work on things like mindful masturbation, which is, hey, we're not just distracting ourselves with porn or fantasy or um, reading erotica, but instead we're going to really slow down and tune into, can I even look at these different parts of my body and give them positive validation affirmation? If I can, can I then touch different parts of my body um, with gentleness, with curiosity, without any expectation that orgasm or pleasure needs to happen? Can I just touch with gentleness? And then as you do that, can you slowly build to pursuing that pleasure, um, which, you know, hopefully eventually leads you to orgasm. But if you can kind of get yourself there first, then we can invite our partners in to then help us expand and explore more. But I find that the more right brain things that folks who've experienced trauma can do that really like tap them into their creative selves and their body, the easier it is to then 
ah, I've taken some stress off my plate. I'm starting to trust my body again. Now I can introduce sexuality back into it. Wow, that's so powerful what you just expressed. I love that. That's so beautiful. I've, I've heard that before too. Um, the mindful like masturbation where it's like, okay, well, you're, you're allowing yourself to kind of have this self discovery process, right? You're allowing yourself to be curious about your body, you're allowing yourself to say that there is nothing to be guilt or shameful about, right? And yeah. we can speak to, I mean, how do you feel like for yourself? Like this is just your own personal opinion, right? Nobody has to disagree mm-hmm. or agree for yourself. <laughs> how do you feel like religion has mm-hmm. put this stigma around you, you know, kind of wanting to kind of take away our sexuality? Like what, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Why is that the case? Mm-hmm. Uh, it fires me up because <laughs> I'm like, ah, patriarchy. yeah, I felt, I felt that. It's like, I think this is a good question to ask. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, this is, and all, this has been all organic. We haven't even had a conversation before this. So right. yeah. like tapping into what we needed to come through. Exactly. Yeah. We're just noticing the things. Yeah. I find that religion controls sex and sex. If we can control sex, you can control people. Right. We see that across the board, particularly in our country where, you know, if there's anything that hints at some sort of what people would maybe consider deviant or taboo sex, like it is just such a mess. And so to me, it seems like when people take religion and use it to control sex, they're using it to control people. There are so many wives who are taught, I just need to have sex to make my partner happy, to make my husband happy. Um, I can't be curious about my own sexuality. I can't be curious about my body because we're told that masturbation is a sin. All of these things that keep us from tapping into our pleasure, which unfortunately keeps people really stagnant in their lives. And, you know, you want to hope that religion is bringing something positive to people's lives, but it seems like a lot of times it gets twisted and skewed to then be able to control like, well, nope, you have to do this. I can do these other things, but you can't do this, right? I see that a lot with men and women who I work with who are husband and wives who are maybe still religious where the husband will say, well, it's your wifely duty. You are married to me. You owe me sex. And she's like, but I am exhausted. I am worn out. I don't feel emotionally connected to you. I am, I'm drowning. And he's like, well, too bad. And that just pains me so much that people can take something that is supposed to be life-giving and twist it to create so much pain and so much shame and heartache around sex. So it just gets me. (laughs) Yeah. You, you said so much powerful stuff there because I agree with you. I feel like, you know, you, you look at a lot of um, religious aspects and a lot of them, it's like, okay, the the woman has to always be in subjection and the woman is always Mm. inferior right? Mm-hmm. And it's not just the religion that I grew up in. It's a lot of religions teach that, right? The woman is oh, yeah. inferior, like how, you know, and that really for women, I mean, we take that on, right? We subconsciously yeah. are taking that on. Yeah. And yeah. that's why so many women, I believe suffer from low self-worth and low value because we're, we're taught that from a young age mm-hmm. and it, it, it makes us say, oh, we can't be as powerful as a man. Oh, we mm-hmm. don't get to choose over um, things that we want with our body, right? Mm-hmm. We have to like be in subjection to this man. And if this man wants sex, we have to give it. And yeah. it's more of like, just not being able to say that we can't say no, right? We have right. to do these things, right? <laughs> and, we don't mm-hmm. do and so it's being able to speak to the fact that you're right. 
religion on some level is controlling that way because if you're fully expressive, I feel like in your sexuality, you're fully you, right? You yeah. are in your power. You're able to speak yeah. and 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 use your autonomy to to ask for what you want and and do what you want and be in your full power. And well, religion doesn't want that. Right? Nope. Uh-uh. Because then you're not conforming. You're not listening to what they want. You're not giving them money. You're not, um, you know, it's all this fear system where it kind of really keeps us trapped, I feel. And I feel yeah. like sexuality is the the most thing that needs to be most expressed because mm-hmm. it's how we are connected to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's huge to just even say that, that the fact that you deserve to feel pleasure, you deserve to feel good in this body. And it helps you love your body more and connected, right? And that's what I have found for sex with me. It's like, oh, I finally Mm. get to connect to this body um, because after years and years of trauma Mm. and coming out of that and healing, uh, I found how I was just using sex to gain love. It was Mm -hmm. how I got love. I associated sex means love, which Mm -hmm. it didn't, right? So Mm -hmm. I abused my body in that way right um and after all I mean abusing my own body that way right recognizing that I had to let go of that shame around it and just say okay well now I get to like love this body and listen to this Mm -hmm. body and give it exactly what it needs and what it wants Mm -hmm. and I think that is what's so powerful for women to hear is that Mm -hmm. you deserve that you deserve that right yes you do And I think you hit it so well, this idea of like, we can't say no, because I think so many of us get trapped in this, in order for me to be loved, sex is the way to get there. So we use our bodies for that, or we get stuck in a situation where a man is pursuing us or a person, whatever, someone's pursuing us. And we feel like we can't say no, because we're afraid, oh, I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want them to get mad at me. I don't want, you know whatever it is, we get caught up in all that submission. And instead, if we could say, no, I am so worthy, like, this is just as much my yes or no as yours, like, I should be completely in autonomy of my own body. But we're taught as women from such a young age, your body isn't yours. And so you're right, if we can just help women to understand, like, no, it is completely okay to say no. And if they're mad, or if it rocks the boat, like, that's not the right relationship or that's not the right friendship or that's not the right person to have in your life. You are so worthy of getting to choose your enthusiastic. Yes. Just as much as the next person. Wholeheartedly. Oh, so on board with that. Um, You know, we, you talked about a little bit ago about um, emotional connection. Mm -hmm. So like when a woman is not emotionally connected to her partner, which I think is so powerful to say, because you could be physically attracted to someone, but if you're not as a woman, if you're not emotionally connected to the partner in Mm -hmm. some way or form, um, it doesn't create that deeper intimacy. And then when we feel disconnected, it's like, well, we kind of feel like we want to repel having sexual connection, right? Because we're like, well, I'm not connected to you. And why do I want to do that if I'm not connected to you? So what can you speak on that? Because I, you know, for a lot of people, they probably don't even realize that's what's happening. They're just kind of like, well, I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't know why I don't have a libido. I don't know why I don't need have, need sex. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you can speak to that a little bit. 
Yeah, I do this with all of my clients of trying to assess the context. Let's not just hone in so much on sex and why I don't want it. Can we please zoom out and look at the bigger picture of your life? So what's going on health-wise for you? What stage of life are you in right now? Do you have littles? We have research that says that sexual satisfaction in a relationship decreases a bit until your youngest is over the age of five. Um, are you working a lot? Are you and your partner actually spending time together? I have so many couples will say, what does the evening look like for the two of you? And they say, oh, you know, we put the kids to bed or, you know, we do whatever. We kind of go our separate ways at the end of the night because we're just so exhausted or we just watch TV, we zone out. So we're not connecting. They say, you know, what's your quality time? Like, what do you both like to do that's fun together? oh gosh, we don't know. Like we haven't really done anything in a while. You know, there's just, if you can look at all these different things that are playing a role, stress plays a huge role, particularly for folks with responsive desire, which is to say, I can't just flip a switch and get turned on because you're looking at me and asking me if I want sex. That's spontaneous desire. Most of us have responsive desire, which says there are a lot of different factors that are going to influence my ability to even be receptive to sex. And so I think if folks can really slow down and examine what's going on between us, but also what's also impacting just me as an individual person, am I getting the rest I need? Am I getting the me time that I need? Oh, I'm not. No wonder I don't want sex. If cortisol is high in our brains, dopamine is going to be low and that's going to make it really hard for us to access desire and curiosity and, and feeling receptive to sex. That makes so much sense. Yeah. Um, I can't speak enough to the fact that I think it's a huge piece of regulation of the nervous system. And (laughs) because we are so distracted as a whole society anymore. And I think that, you know, we have so much going on and we're so busy. We are dysregulated, whether we want to admit it or not, we're not seeing what's going on in the inside of our body. But I know for my own healing, I had to recognize what I needed to do to implement this strategy around every day, making sure that I was taking the self-care to -hmm. continue to regulate my nervous system, to check in. Like, you know, you talked about that earlier, like the body scan and seeing, okay, what's going on, right? Am I like, am I anxious? Am I feeling like I've been going all day? Um, Because it would be like the end of the day, I would just sit down and I'd be like, oh my gosh, I'm so exhausted, but I hadn't felt it because I was constantly in that high cortisol, right? I was constantly right. rushing and running around. And I noticed I still will slip back into that old pattern sometimes because it was my natural way of being for so right. many years. Um, but recognizing that you have the opportunity to create daily intentional things that can create safe space for you to heal that nervous system. So mm-hmm. for me, it's like meditation. For me, it's journaling. For me, it's um, being able to take that awareness around what's coming up for me, what's going on in my body, just seeing, ooh, am I like holding myself really um, tightly right now? Am I, am I like feeling stressed? Am I feeling overwhelmed? What can I do for myself mm-hmm. right now? Um, mm-hmm. So is there anything else that you could say that would implement to kind of really helping that nervous system? Yeah, I love all of those things that you mentioned, because those are all great ways to slow down and check in. Um, I think it's anything that's going to help us to come back to present, which again, some of those right brain creative activities that keep us from being in that like logical planner brain that I think a lot of women get caught up in, we just tend to be the people that are running the ship all the time. 
So if it is like just taking a walk and being outside, right? Like there's a lot of great research that says just walking in nature, getting 20 minutes of sun a day can really help us to be grounded. Um, yoga is another great activity to slow down. I love exactly what you're saying, just checking in with ourselves. Um, especially, you know, is my jaw clenched? Am I breathing in my belly? I have a ton of people, even me personally, I developed pelvic floor problems because I just hold my belly so tight that it ends up just like tightening your entire pelvic floor, which can also lead to sexual pain. And so like, where are you carrying tension in your body? Can you drop your shoulders? Can you just take a moment to breathe? Um, even just like a five minute in the morning breathing exercise, much like meditation. Um, so many different things that we can do that help us to just pause and slow down. But I think you said it perfectly, having a daily intention, it doesn't need to be a 30 minute or an hour activity. Even if you're just taking 15 minutes to slow down and check in, it's going to make the world of a difference to remind yourself, okay, I don't need to keep getting caught up in this rat race over and over. Let me slow down and just come to present. Yeah, completely. I know. And sometimes it's easier said than done. I understand that. I mean, I know. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> my own journey, right? We're like talking about like, it's so easy. Just go ahead and do mm-hmm. it. Like, it's not always nope. easy, right? Like it is a process. It is like um a consistency and a repetitive thing that you have to do so much that it just becomes your natural state of being where you're constantly like checking and being like, oh, wait, I, I see myself going there again. And I don't want to go there because um, I know it doesn't work out for me. Right. In in that, in that phase. And so I know for myself, it's been a long journey getting there and I'm still practicing it. Right. I think it's always practice, you know, there's just so much in life to be busy with, especially if you have kids and got a lot going on. And for me, it's like, when you own your own business, I'm sure you understand. It's like, yeah, there is, it's a lot, it's busy. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's why it's even more important to, to, to tap into that self care. So for a question, and I always kind of just throw this on the fly. So um, I would say, what would be like the best advice that maybe you've ever been given in your journey that you feel like, oh my gosh, this just resonated with me so much, or it kind of changed your life. What would, what would you be able to share? Wow. That's a great question of, you know, what would be the one, the one thing, so many different things, but I think this is going to sound so silly and so simple, but being given permission from somebody else to say, it's okay for you to take up some space that changed a lot for me. And that showed up in a few different ways. Um, I had a partner who was like, I do not care if you have an orgasm right now, just relax and enjoy this pleasure. And I was finally able to have my first partnered orgasm because he was like, it's okay to take up space. Like just enjoy what's happening. Don't feel like you need to run anything. Just relax. Um, or more recently, my therapist asked me like, when's the last time you did anything with your right brain? You know, anything that was just for you. Like, uh, I think it's been like four years since I started my business. I've just been in my left brain all the time. And same thing. She gave me permission to just take up space. It's okay. If you want to have a day that you just veg and you don't do anything, Um, that was really hard. That took a lot of intentional practice and permission giving from other people in my life to say, no, slow down. Don't do anything. You deserve rest. It is okay to take up some space. Um, 
And I think I just see that across the board in other areas of life, because again, I think a lot of times as women, we were not given permission to take up space and we were not given permission to just be as we are, who we are without feeling like we need to please somebody or make somebody else happy, make sure everybody else is okay. And so being told like, it's okay to claim what you want for a little while to make your own choices, say, you know, this is what I want today. This is the, this is the dinner I want us to have, even if it's as simple as that. Um, I think that really made a huge difference for me in sex for sure. Um, but even just in my daily rhythm. So reminding myself, I don't need to run everything to make sure everyone else is okay. It's also okay for me to take up some space. Yeah, that's great advice. Um, I'm still practicing that advice. So <laughs> 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 all the time yeah so I can understand how you're like it's super hard to just slow down and take an afternoon to veg out um mm-hmm. it's like I'm always constantly like oh, I gotta do this or I need to get this done so it's really hard for me to set aside things um being the doer and the goer that I've always been um you know and having that overachiever mindset you know sometimes you just it's hard to slow down but yeah taking up space I love that that's really great advice Well, thank you, Julie, so much for being on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. Um, I will have Julie's information in the notes. So if anybody wants to get a hold of her, reach out or has questions, I'm sure she'd be happy to help. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Goddess Rising. It would mean the world to me if you could like, subscribe, and share so that I can receive more listeners because this is how we each use our own voices to step into our own power, create change and healing for others. Until next time, remember, you are the Goddess Rising.